Welcome everyone. You're listening to Horizontes, Latin America's Leadership Forum. Our focus is on developing business leadership in Latin America, i.e. the skills and topics that leaders need to succeed. I'm John Price, your host. Horizontes is brought to you by America's Market Intelligence, the leading market intelligence agency for Latin America. In today's episode, we're speaking to Mauricio Ortiz, President for Latin America at Boston Scientific, about what it takes to achieve consistent dollar profit growth in a highly regulated industry in a region renowned for its economic volatility. Mauricio, great to see you, my friend. Great to see you, John. First time uh, uh, we are not sharing the same panel, so I That's have right. you at the other <laughs> side, which is good for me because I, I, when we go in the panel together, I always ask to to be first because then afterwards they will say, <laughs> "Oh, it was good, great seeing John." <laughs> oh, please! I was going to say just the opposite, my friend. Um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted you on this is because you are such a, a a natural and gregarious uh, public speaker. And um, and I, I think what's really interesting about you, Mauricio, is, is um, not only have you got a very storied career in a very important sector, healthcare, but um, you're, just a, you're just a natural leader. Um, people are drawn to you. And, and uh, it's, it's not as easy to, uh, to showcase that in a Zoom call as it is in person, but uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, Thank you, John, for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Bef before we get into the meatier subjects of leadership and healthcare in Latin America and, and selling into a regulated market, I, I think it would behoove us all um, to learn more about your own background. I, I understand you grew up in Bogota, where curiously I am calling in from today. Um, oh. And <laughs> yeah. And uh, in Chapinero, um, and I oh. and I understand you studied at the Javeriana, which is a yeah. wonderful university in Bogota. Um, yeah, and you came and you came out with an economics degree. Um, what yeah. what drew you? What drew you to the healthcare sector? Uh, an accident, luck, luck, okay. uh, John. Uh, basically, I got out of uh, of college, and uh, uh, many of us went to the banking industry. So I went to the banking industry and uh, I started my career at banking, did a, 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 what I think a very nice career there. I got to end to 10, eight to 10 positions there. Uh, but I went from a credit analyst, the director of credit, director of collections, commercial director, and in all this kind of things ended up in MasterCard. And uh, okay. so I, okay. I, 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 I was a, a good, a nice banker, commercial guy in the time where we had two assistants in the front of our door, all these kind of things. And uh, got a call from uh, 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 Abbott Laboratories, uh, basically uh, related to banking and went there and uh, found that uh, they were looking for people from other sectors and they offered me a job. So I, I came in and came in uh, to manage nutritionals. Can you imagine okay. an economist, an economist <laughs> going back to proteins, uh, to lipids, to amino acids, isoleucina, leucina, valina, all these kind of things? And uh, I, really, I thought I would go back to the to the to the to the banking industry. Really, right, right. Uh, yes, I, I right. thought about it because uh, this was too technical. And I did have a meeting with a guy there and he told me, hey, this is not about product. This is about having good teams. And that's what I have always had the blessing to have. And uh, so I made a great team and I made a whole career uh, there in, in, in Abbott, went through the hospital division, uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, 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 diagnostics, uh, all these kind of things. And yeah, became part of, of, of the industry. Okay. Well, that, that helps explain a little bit more. I did not realize you had all those uh, antecedent experience uh, <laughs> before before Boston Scientific um, uh, because you've had a, a long and storied career at Boston Scientific. And you you were named country manager in Colombia quite, I mean, 
right off the bat or very, very early on, I believe in your tenure at Boston scientific, how, how do yeah. you, you know, um, that's quite a leap, you know, to go into a new company and be in charge of, uh, obviously, you know, arguably the third largest market, uh, or fourth largest market in the region. How, how did, how did that transpire? What, <laughs> what made that happen? I have, I have the two fold the story uh, of, of that. Uh, I just made uh, uh, two years ago, 25 years in, in Boston Scientific. Uh, so the operation in Colombia or being country there, I trained Colombia is also 25 years because the way that I got there was I did the startup. So I started the company from zero. And, uh, and uh, I think uh, what happened was I had uh, some experience uh, with, uh, with my other company to build a business in Peru. And I built a business in Ecuador and uh, I was able to help or to do the startup in Venezuela uh, for a, a, another a, a company. So when, when I did that, uh, I left a lot of people that knew that I had done startups and the Boston Scientific in the other side was trying to do an, a startup and they called my previous bosses uh, to ask them uh, who do they know that had experience in this and somebody recommended me and I got a call and they said hey would you start uh, this business for us uh, my curiosity uh, John and, and guys is that uh, there was nobody planning to open a business in Colombia <laughs> like, right. like I said oh my god I'm so good they are they are trying to make a business in Colombia they are finding the right guy to do it but this was the I mean Paul Escobar uh, had been like hunted let's say years ago and this wasn't the moment of the new narcos it was the moment of the guerrilla it was the moment of the uh, uh, bombing it was the problem of uh, a lot of uh, of uh, of companies being threatened and it was a time where where i mean uh, uh, people just went out to their farms and they were kidnapped uh, yeah. so i said yeah. wow these people are starting a business in colombia Years after, I figured out that this came from a meeting in Boston from big officials that they say, let's open Latin America. And somebody tell, told them, let's open Colombia. And they didn't know what was happening in Colombia. <laughs> so so oh, really? I thought because okay. I was so good and it was just right. because there was like a little part of a mistake <laughs> of let's open a country. Uh, the good thing is I did I did I did great. So I I did open uh, the operation in Colombia, and when I left uh, to Brazil, I left uh, as today uh, one of the uh, the company the record in the in the in the whole history of Boston Scientific of a company that opened being cash positive and uh, profitable from the first day. We hope you're enjoying this latest edition of the Horizontes Leadership Podcasts, a series of conversations designed to inform, instruct, and inspire Latin American business leaders. Entrepreneurs, politicians, business magnets, inventors, authors, subject matter experts, financiers, and cultural icons from across Latin America are among our guests. We hope you find these podcasts as compelling to listen to as we find them interesting to produce. If you wish to also receive our curated reading list of the latest articles, white papers, and interviews we circulate each week, write to us at horizontes at americasme.com. That's H-O-R-I-Z-O-N-T-E-S at A-M-E. R-I-C-A-S-M-I dot com. And now, back to the Horizontes podcast. So, Mauricio, you know, I, I uh, it's amazing uh, the, the confluence of things you just talked about. First of all, the fact that it was your entrepreneurial skills that got you into Boston Scientific as much as your knowledge of, of the healthcare system. Um, and the sort of, you know, the accident of almost naive, corporate naivete uh, in yeah. choosing Columbia at that perfect at that yeah. moment in time, I yeah. think that you know, I think that speaks to. Um, it's a it's a very unique story, yours, and yet 
a lot of people find themselves, I always tell people if you're, you know, and this is from the point of view of someone who grew up outside of the region, but, but then made his career inside Latin America. If that's, if that is of interest to people, I always say, don't sit around and wait for a job offering, just get there, start doing things, you know, learn on the ground and eventually opportunities will present themselves, you know? And I think, I think, um, your own, uh, your own trajectory is, is, is testament to that. Let's talk about the transition to Brazil, because I think for, for a lot of people, um, who started in Spanish speaking, Latin American countries, Brazil is often a sort of in, intimidating mountain that they are afraid to climb. Um, and even though, you know, Spanish speakers can learn functional Portuguese fairly quickly, it's, you know, Brazil presents itself and always, I think, in the in corporate structures does a good job at making the case that it's different and that it can only be run by Brazilians. So what was it like for a Colombian, albeit a Colombian who'd already worked in some pretty challenging markets in South America, Venezuela, Ecuador, Peru. What was it like for you to move to Brazil? And what, what tips would you give to others who've come out of other Latin American markets and who have the opportunity to, to work in Brazil? Uh, I think uh, uh, first, uh, uh, I, I could tell you that I didn't have a choice. Uh, so, <laughs> so when when uh, when I moved to to Brazil, actually it was the there was two challenges. One, go to Brazil, as you said, I was intimidated by the size of Brazil and by the language. Uh, but the second part uh, uh, that it was uh, really hard is that somebody had done a startup in Brazil who who was losing money, big money. But I was not moved to Brazil as country director Brazil. I was moved to Brazil as sales manager, Brazil, no, sales manager, cardiology, Sao Paulo. Uh, uh, so, so I didn't move from uh, uh, the big position to the other big position uh, because there was a big problem. Their company was uh, losing a lot of money. And my boss, which I uh, uh, love and a great uh, mentor and guy, he told me, you have to go to Brazil. Mauricio, there is no choice. I want you to do exactly like you were doing a startup, but with a line of products and at a specific place. And I went to Brazil and I, I went there. And here comes the first step. When I came in, uh, expat, uh, a home where other expats were, uh, uh, and uh, had a driver, nice car, everything. Uh, the first day I got to, to Brazil, second actually, I gave the uh, the uh, told the country director uh, at that time, please, I don't need a car and I don't need a driver. Get me a car, I'll drive my car. He would say, "You are crazy. This is Sao Paulo. You have no idea of Portuguese." I said, "My friend, let me work my way." And let me let me let me do my own way. Well, he didn't have a choice because it was, by the way, it was not him who took me down. It was our big big boss who had sent me there. So I just got all the power, fortunately, to do what I know how to do. So I went down to the street. I had to call from uh, when I wanted to place gas in the car. I had to call my friend the controller of the company and tell him, hey guys, can you please uh, ask the guy to put gas in my car? And all those kind of, of things. But I did went to see customers uh, for the first time without any Portuguese, without anything, just trying uh, uh, to do my best. So my Portuguese, the one that I learned was uh, Portuguese de Rua, uh, real Portuguese from the street, so my first words were all the really bad words, uh, but I, 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 I learned them. And uh, what I did, the tip, it's uh, I went to Brazil knowing that I didn't have a way back. So it, it's, uh, it's uh, this will be my country. This will be the place where I will live. This is the place where I will raise my family. And uh, this will be the place that I will stay forever. So uh, I said, I won't make 
Uh, I will make friends, but I will make all the expat friends. These things that happen in the nicest schools where you only uh, go at the evenings to where other expats are. And then you continue to talk with the Argentinians, Colombians, uh, whatever. No, I said, my friends will be Brazilians. I will learn how to cook in Brazil. I will learn how to drink beer with Brazilians. I will go to the Facendas and I will be a great singer of Musica Sertaneja. And that's exactly... <laughs> What 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 I uh, what I what I did and uh, six months I don't know eight months uh, since I started uh, uh, results start coming uh, great and uh, eight months later I was uh, uh, named the president for the Brazil uh, operation and then continued to do another divisions and it's uh, probably the best. Uh, a time, a professional time in my life, getting a company from zero to $100 million, nine years. Uh, and that worked like really, really, really good. And it was in the time exactly 2000, Lula came up to be the president for the first time in Brazil, uh, being uh, the dollar, I remember at 185 and climbing up for the first time to four in three weeks. And, uh, and uh, I was there, I was sitting there doing a startup. And fortunately, everything went well. I love uh, Brazil. I have my Brazil passport. Uh, I, feel, I feel very, very proud of, of, uh, of, of, of Brazil. You know, I, you, that is such great advice. Uh, it reminds, when I moved to Mexico, yeah. I spent the first year living in, I lived in Guanajuato. And um, uh, we actually, I actually, uh, there was a, a, there was a quite a famous orchestra there and it was, had lots of, um, uh, had lots of Russians and Eastern European musicians in the orchestra. And I found that if I told people, you know, if people thought I spoke English, they all wanted to practice their English with me and I didn't want that. So I, so I told people I was Russian. Um, and so they would just keep speaking to me in Spanish. And so, and, and, you know, they couldn't distinguish a gringo accent from a Russian yeah. accent. So um, it really helped me to sort of uh, ensconce myself in, in Mexican culture. And, and, and I, and I didn't hang out with any foreigners. I mean, not one. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't know, you have to go to such extremes, but I think what you, you know, to, to, to really, you know, I, and even in Mexico city, I joined a, a sports club in club Condesa. And I was the only yeah. gringo, I was the only gringo there. There was not, you know, whereas a lot of the sports club were either the Spanish club or the French club, et cetera. I, you know, I, I went for the Mexican club. So um, that that's is a, the way that's, to do it. That's the way. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And, and you know, even um, as someone coming from other parts of Latin America, like yourself, uh, and the language in theory should be easier to transition to, it's still very comforting to be around people from your own country and so to make that leap especially if you're with a family of course is that much uh, uh braver you know because you can't do it alone it means your family also has to embrace the country and embrace the language and that's that's uh, yeah and uh, and you know the first meetings with with customers were just so funny uh, uh, because uh, I, I i i you know uh, i i'm not a good very product driven guy uh, like uh, healthcare is it's where I have worked, but I'm not uh, the best to describe our product line or to be a really technical guy. So the, the first time you meet uh, uh, the customers, people are asking you for what does this product does, what it's their components, and I really struggle on that. So, so the first thing I realized is I had to find a good Portuguese person that was technically really good and right. grab him uh, or grab her uh, uh, and take them to all the visits. Uh, and uh, I said, I will do the, the talking, the general talking. And then when people ask, you go with your Portuguese. And that model worked pretty well. <laughs> well, that's interesting. You know, um, a good leader understands his or her shortcomings and finds people to fill those gaps. Um, and you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned early on in the conversation that you learned from others the importance of team building. Um, can you talk a little bit about the track record? Because I know, the, I think it's being what, at least 15 years you've lived in Miami in a regional 
um, overseeing position, which means you're responsible for many markets. Can you talk about Boston Scientific's track record across the region over that period of time? And what has been some of the keys to that success? Well, I think uh, uh, the first thing uh, uh, success that I learned the hard way uh, when I did all my experience with the startups and uh, a lot of things is, I think I will start with the, what I see a lot of mistakes and what have seen uh, uh, the things that we have done different. Not that we haven't made mistakes, but the things that we have done different is uh, most of the companies want to bring to Latin America or to their markets, their whole portfolio. So they want to bring all the divisions, all the products line, everything, and then create a monster of, of a big company that has a lot of divisions and a lot of products. Uh, uh, I didn't do that. Uh, uh, what, what I did, uh, and when, when, when you tell me about growth, yes, I have been doing double digit growth consistently, but growth in sales is not uh, my, uh, I think my, 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 top uh, 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 key indicator. Uh, uh, I, I learned from a, a boss one time that the best mentality you can have in a public position, in a public traded company, is that you don't respond to your boss uh, or what the company wants. It's what the stockholder would like you to do. Uh, so uh, everything that I do goes with the mentality. If I were speaking not to my boss, if I were speaking to a stockholder, what is the expectation of that stockholder? Hey, we put you there in Brazil or we put you there to manage Latin America for what? And the, the basic answer a lot of times is earnings per share. Uh, so it's not a, it's about being a, what people call profitable growth. Well, that's the that's a success in Latin America. Making that happen. Oh, that's a big thing. And I will tell you a couple of things of how to drive that. But it's not about doing 12 or 15 or 25 percent growth in a, in a year for many years. It's about how much is your contribution for earnings per share for a stockholder? How much was you were you able to bring that growth to the operating income of bottom line? And, uh, and so that was my 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 always my my thought. And with that, then I can answer you the first part. The growth is what portfolio should you bring for Latin America? And the first uh, type of things you have to consider is that the valuation and, uh, and the change in currency will hit you at some time. And uh, you have to bring products that have a nice, what I call bandwidth uh, railroad enough that when anything happens, uh, uh, you are not getting to the problem that a lot of companies face in Latin America is that the more you sell of one product, the more you lose in, 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 the, in the product. And then people get excited because they are selling so much of a product and somebody let, raises up their hand and says, hey, the most we, we sell of this, the more we lose. Uh, so I always try, like, let's say to put it in terms of today, do like a type of algorithm, which will tell me which were the products in which market, where are the needs of the product and which should be the product line that I launched to ensure that it doesn't matter if the inflation, if the devaluation, if the dollar goes to five or to four or to 13 or to 69 or to 104, uh, uh, Argentina or Chile or whatever, I could always have a healthy uh, PNL that would let me uh, manage uh, uh, my company. So uh, we have had a great history of growth, but the first, the, the one thing that the company always recognizes um, <laughs> I'm probably, that's what I've been 25 years here and no other country director in the whole world, Boston Scientific has lasted so much. Uh, it's, uh, it's because uh, uh, probably uh, because I have been driven uh, uh, good uh, results to the company uh, over time. Okay. And you said, um, you know, beyond the managing currency and, and, and right um, selection of products. Um, do you guys manufacture any of your products in the region or is it all uh, imported? We do. Uh, we okay. do. We, we have a, a, a beautiful uh, uh, place in Costa Rica. We have uh, uh, actually two 
big uh, manufacturing facilities in Costa Rica, in Coyola and Heredia, state of the art uh, uh, for the company. We have production in Puerto Rico, in El Dorado. And now we have uh, valves, uh, valves, uh, heart valves uh, uh, being done in Belo Horizonte. So uh, we, we, we manage, uh, uh, we, we have there our uh, manufacturing sites uh, that have been, uh, I mean, uh, very proud of LATAM. They are today state of the art for the FDA. They are models. And for me, that's uh, so nice because uh, it's Latin America, isn't it? People expect uh, you to do a lot of things uh, wrong, everything. And these are state of, of the art facilities. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, can you tell us how you're structured in terms of where you have your own offices, your own sales teams versus relying on uh, distributors in perhaps smaller markets? Yeah, we have, uh, we have, uh, we are different in Latin America than in the rest uh, of the world. Uh, 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 our CEO, Mike, and before Jim, and everybody has been very respectful of what I the, the model that I have, and I have a different model in, in most of the parts. We, we carry like eight divisions. We are cardiology, urology, endoscopy, neuromod, electrophysiology. We have a lot of divisions. And those divisions in Europe, for example, they are the, the pizza. It's, it slices from the divisions and then goes to the countries. In my I, model, okay. I'm the old style, but I like it where I have country directors and each country is their kingdom, and uh, they choose the products they want to sell. They make their plan from account up, a Salesforce type of, of, of approach. They decide what they sell in their markets. They are, like, I, like I always tell them, like the kingdoms, a, a profitable, a, a separated from corporate which doesn't happen in other markets. So it's a, there is a business in Brazil and there is a business in Argentina. They don't mix. Uh, and uh, my uh, headquarter is a very, very small headquarter and I want to keep it like that. Uh, I define ourselves as the tower of control, like the Miami International Airport Tower. The guys that fly the planes are the countries. Uh, the guys that crash the plane are the countries, the guys that do uh, with their passengers, what they think is the best is the country, is the planes. We only tell them, hey, you have, uh, you, I can see there is turbulence here and we help uh, the planes land. We help the planes uh, uh, go around. Uh, so I have a small staff in Miami. Uh, I uh, Any position that comes up, I want them in the countries. Uh, because I could be tempted to get a lot of people, and uh, I am actually I I I am not a profit center. I'm I'm just a, 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 a heavyweight right. for 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 the rest. So uh, the best way, if you need a position or not, is tell them. Would you put it in Argentina? Oh no 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 no. Okay, so that was not a good position. If you are willing to pay for it, it's a good investment. If you want me to do your investments here in Miami and create a place, no, I'm not doing that, my friend. The Horizontes Leadership Forum is brought to you by America's Market Intelligence, the region's leading consultancy and advisory firm, serving companies operating in Latin America and Caribbean markets for over three decades. AMI's vast network of consultants located in every major market in the Americas gather vital market intelligence from privileged sources that our industry practice leaders turn into insightful analysis to help our clients some of the largest investors in Latin America make vital business decisions. Before you decide to invest, launch a product, choose a partner, enter a market or acquire a business, make sure your decision is an informed one. Find us at americasmi.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-C-A-S-M-I.com. And now back to the Odisantes podcast. I, I also believe in that. It, you, you define it as an old-fashioned model. Um, where the country manager, <clears throat> he or she, yeah. um, is, is the authority in that country. Uh, and then <clears throat> you might have product lines reporting to that person, as well as reporting back to product line leaders in, in, in corporate head office. Yeah. Um, the reason I've seen it work better is because of the importance and just the recognition 
in Latin America of um, the authority of a country manager. And and you might be yep. you might be in charge of just a line of business. It might be a huge business, but it's not the same. It doesn't resonate the same. And so when you're dealing with government in particular, but even when you're dealing with big customers, it's just not the same. Uh, do you agree with that, or are there other reasons you you prefer that model? No, I I, I just uh, uh, like it, uh, and I will tell you why specifically. And I think this is starting to change with this movement of currencies, inflation, all these kind of things. I try uh, what I tried the most, John, is that the ownership of a PNL comes starting from a sales manager or territory manager, because then you can sense very fast the changes you need to do in market. I have competitors, big competitors, big, huge competitors that get to a model in Latin America where they have a sales manager and, that, and they tell them, hey, guy, your only purpose is to sell. You just sell, 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 sell. Let us take care of the PNL, like us take care of everything else in, in corporate. And what happens really fast is that they win a lot of, of business because they go to pricing, they take down prices, everything. And then the company, when they realizes they are not making any money in Latin America, then they leave. Uh, uh, the models of distributor versus direct, uh, in the last uh, three, four years, a lot of companies copy us on going direct in most of the market. Now they came back to distributors. Now they don't know how to do it. Uh, uh, it's a uh, it. This is this is this is not easy. I I do have a, a mixed uh, uh, model, but it took me years to build it, uh, and it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's really hard. It's really hard. Uh, if you want, to, I'll tell you a couple of minutes. Uh, 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 the distribution model in the pharma industry, in the medical device industry, is something you have to be very careful. I went to, through the years where there were big distributors that say, I have a market, I have this. You will give them products and they will use a recipe that worked a lot, a lot of times, but a lot of times. They will ask you uh, for your products, then they will put their products in the market, then they will get you more products until they became your first customer or your one first three customers. Then they will stop paying and they said they had difficulties. Then they tell them they need better prices. And then they start building homes and then they start having a nice farm and the distributor comes to you and have better cars than uh, your company has. And then one day they will tell them, hey, uh, the, the situation is very difficult. And then you will say, okay, let's uh, cut the distributor. Then you cut the distributor, then you go to court. And then everything that you have gained in operating income goes to the lawyers and to the distributors. That's the story of hundreds John, hundreds of companies in in in, in Latin America. So that reminds that reminds me. Yeah, that that's so true. <laughs> it reminds me my first ever job in Brazil, which was ninety four. I want no ninety five, maybe. Um, uh -huh. Big big. Uh, I won't I won't use company names, but uh, big yeah. uh, uh, supplier of um, sporting equipment. Yeah, uh, their distributor got behind by about up to 270 days behind on payments. Yeah. And uh, what did they do? They just, uh, it turns out that the distributor wasn't, had stripped off the logo of the manufacturer on all the product and put the distributor name. So when they finally got cut off by the manufacturer, they just switched to a, another supplier yeah. and nothing happened to their business. They, they went on doing just fine. And they wrote off, you know, the manufacturer wrote off millions of dollars of, of inventory sales um on their books and uh the distributor was you know still maintaining his market share and did quite fine thank you very much so yep. uh, that is absolutely true the power the power balance with your distributor uh and and making sure that you're still in control of that it's is exactly that yeah. uh yeah. if you give products to you the distributor you actually give them the market right what you have to do is to give them the product so that they can do the logistics. 
if it doesn't make sense that you have an uh, office in Belén de Pará to co cover Amazonia, Belén de Pará, Pará and, and, and Manaus, for example, you want a distributor. But you want to know the market, you want to own the market and give them the products for distribution. On the other hand, there are great distributors. There are great sure. people in, sure. in, in Latin America, but great Uh, the best people that get audits from our company that they are not easy for compliance, that they are really hard. Uh, people that in the top of the 20 biggest distributors in, in, in the worldwide for Boston Scientific, and we have a lot. Uh, there are two or three from Latin America that make the first places, uh, not because of the number of sales they do, but the Uh, compliance, the training, uh, the way they keep their books, uh, their transparency. So for me, uh, it's, a, it's a very good, let's say, brand of Latin America within the company. So, so right. uh, when, when this list come up and legal go up and tell, hey, uh, Latin America is in the top of compliance, Latin America business is in top of this, well, uh, The good thing is people don't ask questions, so, <laughs> so right. they leave Latin America alone. Yep. You know, it's very interesting, the comment you made earlier, which was um, rather than trying to satisfy the next up the line of command, I'm, I'm, I take on a shareholder point of view. Um, one of the great questions that came in from Rui de Coelho is how do you, you know, what, what are the challenges of selling Latin America or you know, keeping Latin America as a priority market, particularly at the board level of a publicly traded company. That's a very good question. And I will tell you why. Uh, this goes like this. Uh, when you go to JP Morgan in February, or you go to uh, the meeting where you report uh, or you re uh, talk about forecast for Boston Scientific Corporation, a company over $10 billion or whatever, uh, my contribution in Latin America is marginal. It's, it's nothing. I mean, I could disappear tomorrow. And for that big uh, company, for that big moment, where Boston Scientific tells what will be the growth for the next year and the strategies and everything, my numbers doesn't mean anything. Nothing, nothing. I, I'm, I'm, I, if I don't go, if I don't report, nothing will happen to this company. The stock won't change at all. Okay, good. Now, let's go, Mr. John, for our first quarter. And then in the first quarter, you CEO sit in, in, in a conference and people ask you, how are you doing? And then the overachievement in plan or the overachievement in operating income, my million dollars is exactly the same as the million dollars of US, big, huge market. It's exactly the same. My 500,000 is exactly the same as the one for Europe. So what happens? Let's say Mr. Ortiz has planned deliver 10 uh, for operating income and delivers 12. And let's say the huge market in, uh, in the first quarter of uh, the US brings $2.1 billion in the top line and goes down and they had to do 499 but they made 500 or they made like it happened sometime 496. So they are short 2 million. That's nothing for the stockholder is big for the news that we're going to give is big. And Mauricio with his small operation and everything did 3 million more. I can change the stock price of the company. I can change the value for the company. I can change the way a presentation comes in. It's my marginals every quarter. It's my overachievement to plan. It's my overachievement for operating income. It's my contribution in the gross uh, margin. It's my speech of growth in Latin America that will have a contribution. Then I always look at uh, what we present in, in the New York stock market 
And then you go and Latin America is nothing in the first presentation, <laughs> like nothing. And then in the other presentations, it start, it start to come us and we are having great growth in Latin America and this team is doing this. And then I feel very uh, comfortable, proud that our business is not a growing engine of the company, but it's a profitable business that can change the history during a year. Got it. Got it. Now, the, the, the manufacturing that you have in Latin America, you said Puerto Rico and Costa Rica, are those part of a Latin America PL or are they separate? No. And, and, and are, the, are, they, are you in those countries? Is there a tax incentive to be in those countries? Yeah. Uh, I, ma I imagine Puerto Rico there is, but yes, what about uh, Costa Rica? And in Costa Rica too, and in Brazil, and we have uh, all okay. this. So, uh, uh, John, believe me, if I don't know a lot about products, Don't put me to manage them. I would be really right. bad. <laughs> so no, we had we had a question around manufacturing from one of no, the no no no. We had we had great guys that know a lot about the manufacturing that are the best guys there. What I do uh, is uh, when it gets the time for negotiations with governments or whatever, uh, right. uh, going to speak, uh, all these kind of things. I am there. Uh, I can uh, uh, sit with ambassadors, I can sit with uh, everybody, but I wouldn't know how to uh, run a, 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 sure. a, a distribution manufacturing site. Oh, I have no idea. So in other words, the way you're set up Boston Scientific is Latin America is essentially a sales uh, division of a company that you know produces, uh, innovates uh, and produces no. technology, right? Not, not exactly. Okay. Uh, 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 we have uh, sales, we have, of course, sales marketing, we have uh, uh, legal quality, uh, regulatory, uh, logistics, last mile, uh, okay. supply chain, um, everything, uh, uh, the whole business, right? except the manufacturing. The manufacturing is except for all the company. Manufacturing is a separate the division, which okay. is all the manufacturing. Once the product gets in a plain uh, and uh, it starts uh, and it works literally like that one gets in a plane and leaves the manufacturing plant is my problem right. got it <laughs> got it got it okay i want to change gears for a bit here and talk about uh latin american um healthcare systems you know pre-covid versus today um i know the industry uh you know some areas of metal equipment did well during covid most of it didn't do so well um where are we today from a, from your industry standpoint but also i'm going to combine a few questions here yep um latin america was i think most people would say was you know underprepared for a pandemic <laughs> uh, in terms of how it was equipped in terms of government's communication, et cetera. Um, how is your industry doing today versus pre-COVID? And how is the, you know, the medical systems in Latin America, have they have they learned lessons from what happened? Are they better, are some better prepared? Um, you know, and and how is business different selling into the healthcare industry today versus pre-COVID? Yeah, I think uh, pre-COVID, we have a lot of, of, uh, of lessons. I'll tell you a little bit of our of our industry. I think uh, Mr. Mike, our CEO, uh, did uh, probably by instinct because all, all of us, nobody was prepared for the pandemic. <laughs> nobody, no health system, no company, nothing. Uh, people live, they say they were prepared. Or no, probably they were very intelligent, uh, but they, they were not telling. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, for, for us, I think our CEO was pretty smart. Uh, because what he did was uh, like, this is the biggest crisis we'll have as a company. And uh, we were uh, first in cut salaries, uh, first in cat cutting our own salaries. Uh, actually, CEO completely 100%. Uh, we had 50% cuts, uh, everything. We went to air airplane mode, let's say, uh, no, nothing. But the one thing that the company left us in uh, Liberty, or at least Latin America was, Mauricio, you know your market, uh, do what the recipe you think uh, uh, you have, uh, just don't spend money. 
uh, and uh, uh, the instruction is if you want to, if you have to cut people, you will cut people, but the instruction we have is not cut people, let's cut this. So during the pandemic, what I saw from the hospitals or from the hospitals uh, part is we lose uh, a lot of procedures that are the elective ones, uh, which means people that go for stone management, uh, bladder, endoscopies, uh, all these things that can be moved forward. Uh, however, uh, the people that needed implanted uh, uh, products uh, starting from uh, pacemakers uh, or had a heart stroke. And the one thing that I saw is if we were not great at finances, if we were not prepared with equipment, uh, what I could see was a huge, huge commitment of the health system for patients. Like I haven't seen in my life. Uh, uh, the doctors coming, and believe me, this was when there was not vaccines. Uh, my, my guys, uh, we bought the best, uh, these guys were like NASA guys coming into hospitals uh, and getting to treat patients. I would say that probably during the pandemic is the time that I won more market share in, in, in my business. And, and it was uh, because my team never stayed home. Uh, my team was always in the front. Uh, so I can tell you that when people say the doctors, nurses were heroes, there were a lot of heroes from industries, uh, the guys from uh, medical equipment that went to make repairs to the equipments, the guy that flew overnight uh, equipments. Uh, we liberated our patents uh, for our breathers, for our machines that could help uh, for COVID. And the one thing that I would say uh, about that is uh, as soon as our finances started to change, we gave back uh, even the salaries that we had cut to many people. Uh, so we said, now that we're making money back, we are making back. And if we took some from you, we're giving it back depending on the level of uh, that you have uh, in your salary scale within the company. So we came back, uh, uh, we started, uh, I think we were in 40, we were in 41 or 38 when we started the pandemic. We went down to 34 to 32 in the stock. And one year later, we were in 42. So actually, uh, 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 soon during the pandemic, uh, if, I don't know if we can agree that still that we are already off the pandemic or not, but let's say as going out of what was the crisis, uh, we got our, uh, uh, with a bigger value of our company with a bigger stock uh, price. But I see... Uh, that has changed uh, uh, was the innovation that came during the pandemic, specifically uh, for remote assistance to doctors, since there were no planes here, since that was a complicated entrance to hospitals. So we came up with a lot of innovation. Uh, one of those were the clinical eyes that are like a, a sort of, sort of the what we learn sometimes about those Google glasses or this kind of things, very well manufactured for uh, our company. Actually, we're using them uh, in Formula One assistance to pilots, uh, not for racing, but for health. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, uh, that innovation of, of having remote uh, control of our operations, uh, really, I mean, uh, going to uh, the to the surgical part, uh, that will that will stay. We were good at that. And I think the biggest part that we learned is uh, during two years, we still had to uh, uh, train doctors in our products and in products. Uh, so we started doing everything, not through Zoom, uh, but with uh, more complicated because we have to simulate that we have operating uh, rooms, that we have uh, procedures. As we got good, actually today or to these days, we're moving to the uh, metaverse uh, to start uh, uh, doing that kind of, of training. So let's say training, assistance, remote assistance. Uh, we developed, we're developing something like uh, uh, Alexa uh, for uh, interventions where people can talk to, to uh, uh intelligent uh, machine that will help uh, deliver the results 
of or the outcomes of the procedures. So that that was uh, a good part. Uh, uh, the other part, the meetings, uh, you uh, just uh, th that biggest stop uh, for the finances of the companies gave them. I mean, we're so used to making meetings and flying and getting an airplane. You just didn't know what you were doing. I, I'm going to Mexico. No, next time, next month, I'm going to Chile. Why? I don't know. <laughs> and so today that gets us more uh, thinking about, will this meeting we uh, will be soon? Or will this meeting has to be presential? Or will this? Uh, so the PNLs uh, look much better. Uh, and I would say that today I would say it's a, it's normal business as uh, always. I would say that in some countries, all countries for our procedures did well. Some uh, gave uh, more money to hospitals. Some gave less money to hospitals. Some gave checks to everybody. Some benefited companies. Uh, a lot of things happened in 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 Latam. But I would say that for our business, uh, uh, we did good. I would say that for our competitor, exactly in the same line that we did was also good. Uh, I would say that I made better uh, uh, in market share because I was closer to customer. But in my immediate area, we're pretty boutique in that part. In the whole medicine world, we have a very small piece. In that part, I think uh, uh, the pandemic was not good or bad. Uh, we just uh, came back with all the procedures. We went back uh, uh, to normal. The Horizontes Leadership Forum is brought to you by America's Market Intelligence. Each year, AMI's most senior practice leaders, led by your podcast host, John Price, are invited by over 50 conference, seminar, and private business meeting organizers to provide their insights predictions, and opinions concerning the most pressing business trends and challenges of the day in the Americas. To learn more about how your next regional planning meeting or conference can be enhanced by a presentation from AMI's leadership team, visit us at americasmi.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-C-A-S-M-I dot com. And now... Back to the Horizontes podcast. You have the uh, both the challenge and opportunity of selling to both the private sector and the public sector. And you've commented on a little bit on this and you talked about compliance for distributors, et cetera. But um, what are the fundamental differences of selling to those two very different clients? And secondly, how do you I'm going to combine a question from the audience how do you see next year versus this year? You've come out of COVID. I, my understanding is that elective surgeries are up to even above pre-pandemic levels. Probably yeah. probably yeah. there's a, a latent demand that yeah. needs to be filled. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, so how do you see next year and maybe differentiate your view of the public sector hospital market versus the private sector hospital and clinical market? And, where do you see the opportunities in both and maybe the challenges? It's a lot of, a lot there, but I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that, uh, oh my God, I would say something horrible. I prefer to sell private than public. <laughs> oh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the first. Uh, and, the, and the reason is uh, many times when you sell to a, a, a big a markets in the government um, for the way they operate uh, there is a uh, uh, long-term contracts and it's hard to get commitment in pricing for dollar dollarized prices mm -hmm. uh, so what happens is is you have you are so excited uh, john and this happens <laughs> you are so excited we just won this big bid in argentina oh my god we just won this big bid in some place and then you go like yeah how long two years and we're so happy and all this, the pricing. Oh, that was, I think it was a healthy price. Is it going to be a healthy price at four per dollar or a 60 per dollar? And what about if you move it to 90? Oh, no, 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 no. Then it will be horrible. Oh, okay, good. So uh, we have had experiences in every single 
no, well, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, not Mexico now, not in the recent years, but we did have it. We're uh, coming up with contracts that we uh, celebrated with champagne and afterwards we had to celebrate with vinegar. <laughs> exactly the same contract, exactly the same thing. Because uh, when the dollar changed, uh, it happened, yes, every time we dispatch an order, uh, we were uh, earning less or we were losing money. So right. that's that the pricing is one of those parts. Uh, the second one is... Uh, uh, there is a lot of movement uh, around uh, uh, government uh, bids that when I always instruct my guys, if there is too much noise uh, to win a, a contract, uh, let's move on and find another customer. Uh, uh, I, I don't want uh, uh, to push so hard because in, if, if it gets so hard to push uh, a contract or whatever, it's because you don't, uh, want to be part of, of that. Uh, uh, in the other side, uh, mo many of the governments, I will not say all, but many of them uh, buy a lot of stuff they don't need. Uh, really. They buy a lot of, of things that they don't need. So you get stuck with contracts where people ask for pacemakers, sophisticated defibrillators, and then uh, they want them us to deliver it to hospitals that don't even have the equipment or don't have a doctor, or don't have a nurse. And I'm not telling that this is a, a because of our compliance or because they are, there's corruption. Uh, most of the time it's because people don't know. Uh, the biggest problem with public health in many places is that they don't know the system and they want to do the best and they find an algorithm and let's find these hospitals and let's do this, but they are not close to customers. They don't know what the patients uh, need. Uh, so I avoid a lot of, of, uh, of public uh, bidding. Uh, the ones that I like is the ones that I win and that uh, they will pay me in six months. And it's a six months and the people tell me, why don't we do it for two years? And that will be the best thing that you can listen. And I say, no, I, I say no, because uh, I already know this history. I've lived it too many times to tell. I prefer two times, six months. Mostly one year, but I, 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 I even if I have hundred percent of the business, I don't want more than the, a, a big term, uh, because afterwards you have uh, lawyers, legal uh, coming to you, and uh, you are not doing this part of the contract, uh, uh, or your products are being expired, and I never make a good business out of it. Probably I don't know how to do it really good. But uh, I, I am more on the private part rather than in the public. I do sell public and I do sell very good. Uh, and I just simply uh, don't participate in many of the bids. No, fair enough. I mean, there's companies in your space and certainly in pharma that don't even, you know, don't even touch it. So um, yeah, I think I think you guys, if, you know, between your distributors and your direct sales and your ability to your, your insistence upon uh, maintaining a compliant operation is, is key there. Um, we just have a couple more minutes and I wanted to sort of, okay. it's, it's always interesting to hear uh, your vision of, you know, we're in the middle of planning season towards the end of planning season for next year. What do you see for next year opportunity and challenge versus say this year? Yeah, I see. Uh, I just presented plan. It uh, went very well. Uh, uh, I, I see a, a slowdown and it comes basically from uh, currency. Uh, I see uh, markets uh, more complicated uh, Colombia. I see uh, I, 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 we're watching very carefully Brazil, uh, uh, currency uh, Brazil. Uh, and I would say that uh, those will be like the uh, headwinds, uh, currency, and uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, let's see, for example, Colombia, we just changed uh, government. Uh, there are uh, nervousness in the system, good or bad, but nervousness because of what the policy of uh, the new Ministry of Health would be. Uh, changing the system. You can agree or not if the changes are good or bad, 
but definitely there is a, a, a stopped the system until people don't know what will happen. That one. Brazil will happen exactly the same with the new Lula administration. Uh, and uh, those slowdowns uh, keep you quarters uh, where uh, people are not receiving budgets, where the hospitals don't have budgets. And I know that, and I will help uh, with my AR uh, ability to do a lot, but I won't do everything because, uh, uh, as I told you, I am more PNL oriented. Uh, I'm not willing to take uh, huge risks, nothing like that. So uh, I see my profitability uh, going, uh, I, I mean, I presented a plan that was approved. So if you approve the plan, uh, the board means that you are growing up and down and having a leverage PNL. So that's what I presented. But uh, uh, we just had one of the best years uh, in, our, in our Latin America uh, operation. This year it was good. Next year it will be good, but we'll have a slowdown with that. Uh, the other part that we are monitoring uh, a lot, Uh, for the next uh, uh, years to come is uh, uh, in the power of, uh, let's say, the countries or whatever, what will be with this new, uh, for the first time we have uh, uh, all the governments in the, let's say, left or whatever, or different. Uh, let's say that except uh, probably uh, Nicaragua and Venezuela, all the other uh, presidents uh, changed. I mean, their parties from their, right. where they came, uh, they, they changed. In that change, uh, what we want to see is how much uh, China uh, will have influence in uh, our markets or how uh, uh, difficult or not will be to bring uh, products from other competitors to our markets. Uh, when you see uh, what happens in other countries with the Belt and Road Initiative from China, uh, you see that they come, they uh, bring uh, the uh, transportation, the ports, uh, the trains, everything. And of course, they want uh, more product uh, to come. That's uh, the normal thing. Uh, uh, so we see that the competitive uh, uh, landmark will get tougher and bigger. And uh, of course, we have to find uh, the answer uh, for that. I will anticipate you that my answer uh, always is uh, uh, if we can't uh, uh, beat them, then uh, let's make uh, some agreements. Uh, the agreements, it's uh, uh, let's compete together. Uh, let's uh, uh, do something for the patients together. Uh, let's... Uh, 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 complement our product lines with other lines that are in other markets. And uh, I'm more open for that than to uh, try to, uh, I mean, stop what it's inevitable. But uh, this is something that we're working uh, on. I think the space for healthcare in Latin America is still big for everybody to improve. Uh, the problem, uh, we have a lot of problems to solve, but if we could solve them, there is a huge uh, amount of things that we could do together. That's great. Mauricio, there's, you know, we could go on, we could go on about <laughs> the dis disruption of a highly intermediated market, uh, the growth of e-commerce of frontline care products. I mean, there's so much to discuss in this space. Um, really, really appreciate your insights. What you just talked about, about in terms of what you expect in terms of headwinds next year, I think resonates with a lot of people. Sitting here in Bogota, as I am right now, um, a lot of people are sort of deer in the headlights waiting to see, hopeful of, yep. you know, that changes won't hurt their business, but really unsure. And um, I think there's less uncertainty in Brazil just because the Congress continues to be quite centrist yep. and pro-business. But yep. nonetheless, you have a pretty dramatic change in Brasilia at the executive branch, and that's going to obviously cause a delay in a lot of business yeah. decisions so really great insights appreciate that they resonate i think with everyone regardless of what industry you're in which is exactly why i wanted you on this call because although you know this industry backwards your <laughs> your vision of it it goes well beyond healthcare and is really i think applicable to so many business people working today in latin america so thank you for your time
always a pleasure to, to John, it's you. always, always a pleasure to be uh, uh, here with you, my friend. And thank you so much for inviting me. And I hope uh, uh, people uh, enjoyed uh, a little about uh, this uh, mysterious health, uh, really complicated uh, system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they did. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll see thank each you, other John. soon. All the best. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for another Horizontes podcast, where we discuss key topics and challenges facing Latin American business leaders, featuring expert guests from a variety of fields and backgrounds. Horizontes is brought to you by America's Market Intelligence, the leading Latin American market intelligence consultancy. We gather the research, conduct the analysis, and form the recommendations in the bespoke fashion that companies require to make wise business decisions in Latin American and Caribbean markets. You can find Horizontes on all major podcast directories like Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and more. Or you can visit our website, americasmi.com and look for Horizontes under the Thought Leadership menu.